I like it. Good morning, brothers and sisters. We, uh, if you're a visitor, we are in a series on the gifts of the Spirit, which is clearly taught in more than, but not less than, four major texts in Scripture, or clear texts in Scripture, and so obviously God wants us to know something about it. So we're trying to park on that. We started last week with an introduction where your pastor, as he is wont to do, went way too long, but uh, he will behave himself well, maybe he will uh, today. Anybody seen, and you know how my w- mind works, those of you who put up with me for eight years, I can't help but think of illustrations out of great spiritual movies, like the movie Back to the Future, which isn't spiritual at all. But there's a great illustration in there. Do you remember when um, the old Biff meets the young Biff? And try see, and those of you who haven't seen that series, I apologize, uh, but I don't have time to tell the whole story. But uh, it's a time travel, humorous uh, series of uh, films, a lot of fun. But the old Biff gets his hands on this, what was it, an almanac of sports details and gives it to the young Biff. And the young Biff is such a typical human he just throws it in the back seat of the car like it doesn't matter. And his, uh, his older Biff, it kind of looks like his old grandfather, but it's really him years later, knocking on his head. Don't lose this. There is power in this gift. Look, and he demonstrates it by tuning into a ball game and he proves that you can predict the future because it was written. Right? So that came to my mind immediately because it's like, the, the lack of appreciation for what God has given us sometimes, you know? This phenomenal gift, there's power in it. Yeah, in the backseat it goes, you know? So with that in mind, I'm trying to encourage us about the fact that we have spiritual gifts and that we should do something about that. I ran out of time last week. Well, I took more time than I should have. I still ran out of time. So that tells you how carefully I craft my sermons by the clock. Not. But this was the passage that I was going to end with. You know, in the, in the New Testament, Jesus tells stories to his disciples a lot. Uh, a lot of parables. And he talks, talks about servants that he gave talents to. And because our English messes us up a little bit. That's not a term about having a talent. Like Mike has a talent. Um, getting in the wrong key, I think he mentioned today. was, But he has a talent in leading us, right? In putting together music and leading the team, and, and we appreciate it. Those are talents. But the word talent in the New Testament is a term of money. And in another account, it says he gave minas, which is another term for money. And uh, But he's using it as an illustration that there's an entrustment factor going on and trying to get the point across that God is like the manager of the household who is entrusting stuff to us. So here's one of those cases, and just taking one verse out of it, describing the kingdom of heaven. Matthew 25, uh, verse 14. For the kingdom of heaven is just like a man about to go on a journey who calls his own slaves, servants, and entrusted his possessions to them. And one of the words used is the word for a house steward. 
as uh, those of you watch Downton Abbey and stuff like that, the major master uh, butler of the house has a lot of authority over the master's materials. Make sure that everything runs well. And it's that kind of language that Jesus uses when he talks about calling his servants together and he entrusts to them certain things, maybe funds. In this case, it says his possessions. He's giving his household, if you will, into the hands of his servants to manage it. So the reason I I share that is because um, I want to start with the exhortation and then at the end kind of unpack some gifts specifically, right? And uh, I'm going to have to ask my team to go back a screen because did we look at the title? I mean, I steal titles all the time. No little people. Anybody been around a while? This is the second time I've used this. You don't want to dock my pay over that? I mean, I used it two times, only for another reason. This title belongs to a book of sermons by Dr. Francis Schaeffer. And his point is, there are no little people in the kingdom of heaven. How many of us, and I have a thing I want to hand out, and I'll do it next week because I want to speak into it, because so many saints think, oh, I'm not that important. I don't matter. Anybody know what I mean? Some of you don't want to admit that, but right? We think, what, 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 what difference does it make if I'm there or I serve or whatever? What difference does it make? There are no little people in God's economy. And the text that we'll be looking at will be speaking into that. But first, by way of exhortation. Years ago, I, I came across a day. Remember Bruce Wilkerson put out the prayer of Jabez? That was a huge hit because everybody wanted to be let, blessed out of their socks. <laughs> yeah, love those verses. Now, this one is called The Life That God Rewards. Well, we don't like this book as much as the other one. But here's what he says in it. <clears throat> and Am I too loud? Am I hurting anybody's ears? Yes? No, I'm good? Well, that's, there's none good but God, so I lose on that one, but yes. Here's what, it, here's what he says in the beginning of his text. Uh, the life that God rewards. Why everything you do today matters forever. Can I say that again? Why everything you do today matters forever. Ooh. Yee. Don't you hate meddling preachers? That's just so annoying. The teachings of Jesus show that there are two keys that determine everything about your eternity. The first key is your belief. This key unlocks the door to eternal life and determines where you will spend eternity. Do you believe that Jesus died for your sins, has rescued you? That whole decision that uh, good Baptist preachers should be encouraging people to make if you haven't already made it. All of God's people said? Okay, about two-thirds of them did. Okay. Second key, the second key is your behavior. It unlocks the door to reward and determines how you will spend eternity. Everybody get that? The first one is where you will spend eternity. The second one is how. Thank you, Johnny. How you will spend eternity. So here's one of the statements that brought me up short. We think that even though God gave us our gifts and talents, he's not bothered if we don't make use of them. You don't want me to read any more of that book, do you? 
But think about it. And he goes on to unpack the fact it is very much bothersome to him and that we're going to find out because if you haven't fully read the New Testament, we know we get the gift of eternal life, as Mike prayed about this morning. We are freely received into the kingdom, thanks be to God, but we're not all going to experience eternity the same way depending on what we've done with what God has given us. Hello? Okay. So, this is subject of gifts. Let me just make a couple of statements. One is, I don't want you to overwork it. Some people are like, i got to find my gift or I'm going to get punished when I go to heaven. No. You might miss out on some things, yes. But God is not like carrying a rod over your head like, find your gift this week. Don't overwork it. Try to find places to serve the Lord and put your hands to something, and you will start to discover where your inclinations and probably where your spiritual giftings are. I used to use the illustration. It's a member before power steering. Anybody remember driving? Anybody old enough to remember like stick shifts and non-power steering cars? It was a lot easier to turn the car by moving it than sit there trying to pull the steering wheel, right? If you're moving, it's easier to get guided and to discover what your inclinations and your giftings might be, right? So don't overwork it. Also, the opposite, don't underwork it. It's the traditional issue in every church. There's always a few people wearing themselves out and lots of people watching, and that's not what we're called to. In fact, if I may, well, you know what? It'll be in my sermon, so I ought to not repeat myself. How's that? So let's do that. All right, let me give you the first, um, the first uh, there's the picture of a gift, something that we're given that we should appreciate, but it really helps if we open it rather than leaving it in the basement like somebody in my family did with all of my wonderful gifts that we thought about. What would be nice for these people who don't need anything? You know how it is. But God has given us something useful so we already looked at this, so I'm going to go rapid fire through this so that I can hopefully conserve some time. One is 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10, and uh, I'm going to read it in two versions. One, this is the original as, uh, from the NASV, which, of course, is the inspired version. That was a joke. If you're visiting and just said, what have we gotten into? Well, the doors are unlocked. You can go. But, uh, as each one has received a special gift, employ it in serving one another. As And here's the story that uh, Jesus was telling. He called his servants together and entrusted his possessions to them. As each one has received something, employ it in serving one another as good stewards. There's the word, the house steward, the, the, the chief butler, the head of the house. Act like that. Do the best you can with what he has given you. Good stewards of the manifold grace of God. I want to read it again in the New Jerusalem Bible version. It's really kind of a, got a little twist on it. This one says, each one of you, uh, we have the next one, has received, let's see. Each one of you has received a special grace, so like good stewards responsible for all these varied graces of God, put it at the service of others. Now, there's a couple of things here. One is, God has given me a gift. Therefore, there's something I'm supposed to be doing 
And number two, as we love to say, but never really believe, it's not all about me. Put it at the service of others. The whole point of the body of Christ and the gifts that have been given is that it's reciprocal. That God had it intended that we would be able to minister not only unto the Lord, because your service is unto him, but to one another. And the gifts, is another comment I want to make about them, is they help us grow because I watch your gift in action and I learn from it. My wife made the mistake of marrying a prophet. Prophets are rotten, unhappy people. Crabby, potential death speakers, because for them, everything is black and white. God says, this, enough of that. I married, I made the mistake, no, I made the good choice, a divine providence of marrying someone with the gift of mercy who, in her danger zone, will give the farm away and will all starve to death. Isn't that wonderful? So she needs the prophetic side to say, no, we're not going to do that. But at the same time, I can't possibly give an account of how much I have been softened and sanctified by her gifting in my life. And the same thing happens in the body. But I'm not trying to be snotty here. But you can't do that over the waves. The body has to be together to rub against each other and to grow. Can't stand hiding forever, brothers and sisters, so get those, whatever you have to do, and be with the, be with the saints. Here's a definition one more time, just to remind us of Les Flynn. Remember, he's a conservative Baptist pastor. He's with the Lord now. But if you can't trust a conservative Baptist pastor, who can you trust? A spirit-given ability for Christian service. Duh. How simple can it be, right? A spirit-given ability for Christian service. Next week, I'm going to comment on the unusual gifts. Today, we're going to talk about the normal. Can I use that normal gifts? Yeah. Oh, he has the gift of teaching. He has the gift of helps. He has the gift of mercy. Yeah. We expect to see those. You know, not really very, um, what's the word? Ooh. But next week, we're going to talk about the gifts that are what? So years ago, I remember, I was dealing with a man who was sure he had the gift of healing. I mean, his hands would tingle, there'd be energy, and healings would take place. And as I began to talk with him, I asked, now, where and when did you get this gift? And he had it before he was ever born again Christian. I said, guess what? We have a problem here. And it was a demonic fraud. Oh, there he goes, talking about that supernatural world again in church, because it does exist. So anyway, we'll unpack some of that next week. Last week, I got, uh, ran out of time after we had talked about the things we don't know about gifts, and there are a lot. We don't know how many times God takes uh, your inclination and, if, if I will, re-clones re it into a spiritual gift so that things that feel natural to you, become enhanced for the kingdom, or how many times people get gifts that are not anything like they thought they would have ever done, right? Like a person who might be in the room, and some of you know exactly what I mean when I say this. You think, if I have to stand up there, I'm going to be sick to my stomach or whatever. 
And then other people, who, uh, and that kind of a person probably says, just, just let me get behind the scenes with, with um, you know, Nancy and Brian and work the food pantry and help people and love on them and all that. And I'm, I'm safe there. I'm okay. But put me up there. Ah! And then you have a person in the church who gets born again who feels that way at first, and lo and behold, later they become a mighty teacher. Where did that come from? It's a gift that God has bestowed. So here are some things we do know about gifts, though. And these are biblically clear, so they count for the church as a whole, and they count for our church as well. Here's what Corinthians said. I'm borrowing just for a minute from that section of Scripture. Well, let me just be have fun with this. Most Baptists don't want to see it's in there. It's in the air. Yeah. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. But to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. Now, in that particular context, it's probably talking about the more supernatural-oriented giftings. I'm just being honest, okay? But the idea that everyone is given some gift is repeated over and over. So it's not just about those. It's about all of the gifts. Everyone gets something. So here's what it says. There are varieties of gifts but difference, the same spirit. To each one is given a manifestation of the spirit for the common good. Then it goes on a little further. The one in the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually just as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though there are many, are one body, so also is Christ. By the way, there's the theme, no little people. If you were to take time, and you can when we look a little bit at it next week, especially if you have your Bible in your lap, you see that the Corinthian text goes on and on and on about the fact that somebody who doesn't think they have a really cool gift or a really public gift, oh, I don't, I don't, I don't preach like Pastor John, Pastor Dennis, Pastor, I, oh, I can't do like Tim does with all the young people, I, 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 and therefore it doesn't matter that whole section is designed to rebuke that thinking and say, it absolutely matters. And hopefully, we'll be able to see some of that before we're done today. Okay? All of the members are part of a body. I'm going to tell you, I have a body. Isn't that profound? Aren't you glad you got out of bed this morning to hear that? Because you wouldn't have known it otherwise. <clears throat> We have little parts of our body, my pinky toe, this pinky, certain parts that are apparently okay to take out, like your gallbladder, whatever. <clears throat> you know, if I'm having a great day and uh, I'm enjoying my karate class and I block a kick and it breaks my little pinky, let me tell you, my whole body reacts. And that's what happens in the body of Christ. The small little pinky that, oh, I'm just, I'm just this little servant over here. I'm just doing this little thing it, it, that matters. And when that person's hurting, we're all hurting. That's what the scripture talks about, right? So, next time. So here's the things we know. Here are the major things we absolutely know. The major text, the first one that we saw last week was Ephesians 4. And in that one, kind of, I like using the little package, the little present there wrapped up because God uses in Ephesians 4, the word for gift is a domas, which is a wrapped package like that, that kind of a gift, that kind of a gift. And it's talking about the leaders that God gave the church who are gifted. They're men with giftings 
designed to lead the church, men and women, designed to lead the church, okay? To guide the church into their ministry. We're going to talk about that in a couple minutes as well. So, number one, that's that kind of gift. Then the other word that is used over and over in all these other texts is charismata or charisms, which is simply the word graces. It's graces that have been gifted to us that enable us to serve him. And maybe you're starting to discover some of them, and by the time we get through this text, we will. So here's what we know. There are at least 19... I forgot to change that. There are at least 18 various gifts. I said last week that there's opinions up into the 30s and some with a lot less. Uh, some of my friends, uh, by the way, when I, my first church in Tucson, Arizona, I was working as an associate pastor, and the senior pastor, Pastor Fred, was an excellent, excellent teacher, and he was working on a gift book, a book on the spiritual gifts, and he came up with 18, so I think that's how many there are. Les Flynn said 19, so I think that's how many there are. We don't know exactly, but we know there's at least 18 various abilities. Number two, we know that every, and this is in your bulletin if you want to fill it in, we know that every born again, see the first one, we have at least 18 various gifts. Every born again saint, guess what the H-O is? Has one. At least one. Some of you might know you have several, but you have at least one. The Holy Spirit administers them. The Holy Spirit administers. We read that in the Corinthian text. The Holy Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills, as the Holy Spirit wills. That is his assignment. That's what he does in the church. I must be really... I'm... I'm um trying to rein in my ADD right about now. Sorry. <clears throat> so that's administered by the Holy Spirit. It's his sovereignty, not ours. I want that gift. Okay. Guess who to ask? <laughs> and there are sometimes additions of that. We're going to be doing an ordination installation over across the river at Fishkill in a few weeks. The pastoral staff are going. I've been asked to, to lead the, the ordination prayer. I'm looking forward to that because I love the text in the, Old, in the New Testament where Paul says to Timothy, don't neglect the gift that is in you by the laying on of the hands of the presbytery. What? Yeah. There can be additional gifts given. It's not wrong to ask. It's not wrong to desire. And the scripture teaches that as well. But ultimately, the spirit distributes it. I don't have power over that directly. And lastly, all are necessary. Every gift, yours included, is necessary. There are no little people. And nobody is irrelevant. The title of No Little People, the book, there was a little blurb about it on Amazon. It said this, Readers will be encouraged by the value, listen, that God places on each person made in his image to accomplish his redemptive plan. Oh, oh, let me repeat that. The value God places on each person, each person. Anybody here not a person? Who's not a person in the room? I don't see any hands. 
I saw someone scratch their head, but that didn't count, right? Each person, he's placed a value because you're made in his image, number one. And next, if you're a child of God, you're part of accomplishing his redemptive plan. You have a role. You have a role. So, next week I'm going to give out this little uh, thing on uh, Anderson's uh, Who I Am in Christ. Because people don't realize so many times when, when I say, oh, I'm, I'm nothing, I'm no good, and now my wife's thinking, boy, am I going to rebuke you later because I've said that a few times about myself, that either I'm listening to the enemy's deception, I may even be blaspheming. Do you realize that? Because I'm telling God he's a liar. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So there's something there I need to push back on because that's why the little thing says... This is who I am in Christ. I'm a child of God. I'm redeemed. I'm valued. I'm gifted, etc., etc., etc. We'll have those little cards available next time because I want to park on some of that. Okay, so last week, this was the, the verse we already looked at. Actually, we, we can skip over it. That the, uh, the Lord gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, and teachers, pastors, saints, etc., and the, word, the verse after it is this one. There is an order. There is a priority. God has appointed in the church first, first apostles, then prophets, third teachers, then miracles. This is not a comprehensive gift, gift list. This is trying to get a principle ap- across. There's first apostles. They're the ones that go in, plant churches, set things in order, preach the gospel, organize things. Then they move on to the next place. Read about Paul. You see that he did exactly that. Second, there were prophets left in the place. Third, teachers. You need those. Then miracles. You guys with the gift of miracles, I want to know who you are soon. And uh, gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. There's an order involved. Why? Because there's a priority in terms of leaders, the only thing that sets us apart in any way. We are all equal in Christ. Everybody understand that? We are all priests of God, every one of us. But some are called to help aim the church in a certain direction, to help. And so, some of these things, and notice the, in that wonderful list there with miracles and gifts of healings, all of a sudden these really mundane things like helps administrations. Wow, how exciting. I got to tell you, I don't have the gift of administration. I have told everybody on my staff, if you want this to go forward, you better get me some help. That's not my gift. But gifts are given and they are designed for what purpose? For the building, for equipping the church and to build the church up in kingdom work. Right? To build the church up in its kingdom work. I I flew over this last week, so I feel like I need to park on it for a second. There are three ways that the church grows. Everybody with me? Three ways. The obvious one is numerically. What kind of gift is necessary for that? Evangelism. You have people that know how to talk to other people. Now, we should all learn how to do that, right? That's why people have gifts of evangelism, so I can watch them and say, oh, that's a cool way to do that. I might learn something from that. But those people who are inclined with that gift, they're, they're just out there all the time, right? And if you have an evangelist on your, on your uh, pastoral staff in a church, you're going to see a continual harvesting, probably, right? 
probably will. So that's obvious. That's to grow the church because the, God intended us to bring more people into his forever family, uh, right? Okay, that's the idea. We're here for that reason. But he also has to grow the church internally. In other words, we grow up in maturity. So there's numerical growth and then there's spiritual growth. And so all of the gifts that we read about teaching, prophecy, etc., are designed to edify and build us up in our most holy faith. But there's one other dimension. You can have more people coming in, and you can have those people being discipled and growing, but if you want to accomplish something significant, you're going to have have some people somewhere saying, we all need to do this, or move in that direction, or we need some help here, we need some organization here, we need somebody serving our children, we need something so that we can work smoothly together, and that's called organic growth. And so in the church, you have things like the gift of administration, which we'll talk about in a couple of minutes. So, Last verse we looked at was the levels of appointee and various kinds of help, and probably one of the best illustrations I can think of. The word helps or the word serving are probably describing the same gift. When you read the word helps in some lists, in other lists you won't find helps, but you will find service. And the word service is the word from which we get the term deacon, diakonos, right? which literally, uh, my tongue just got tangled, which originally was someone who waits on tables. And you know the story in the book of Acts, right, that the, the apostles are preaching and they're, they're, they have a food pantry going, right? In the Jerusalem church, they have a food pantry going. Needs are being met. And the apostles say, it's not a good idea for us. It's not a beautiful thing. It's not, a, it's not below us. That's not the point. We'll wait on tables if the, that you want us to do that. But we've been preaching the gospel in the temple every day, and people are getting saved, and it wouldn't be a good idea for us to stop that. So select some people, fill with the Spirit, the, the gift of wisdom, who can be put in charge of this, waiting on tables, but not just that doing whatever was necessary to free up the leaders to get the job done. Okay, so I'm going to have to make a comment in our context. From my original being here eight years ago, and hopefully we're changing this, but as has often happened in churches who have lost sight of all of these passages of Scripture completely, we think we hire the preacher to do the job. So, the guy that I was trained under that was doing that Gift of the Spirit book, when he was hired, they added to his job description, changed the filters on the coolers on the roof, and blah, 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 and had all these things, and he said, I'm not doing it. What a rotten person. He's unwilling to serve. No, the problem is when the saints are unwilling to serve and you want somebody to do your work for you, that's when you get in trouble. And that's when my little friend here, uh, Wilkerson, is saying, we're going to be disappointed when we get to glory. 
that we've expected. And that's why I gave us a little encouragement today when we hire somebody like Catherine. I want her to be really excited about the team that gathers around and helps her, serves alongside of her so that her leadership can be enhanced and we can see good results come out of it, right? And that's the way it ought to be in the church, period. All right, so now, after all of that, no little peeps. No little peeps. Everybody has a part. And that idea of supporting leaders comes out in the text that we're looking at today. Now, can you believe it? It's 20 after. How did this happen? Anyway, the text for today, we saw on the screen part of it so we can kind of fly through it. It's our passage is Romans chapter 12. And I'd like you to connect a couple of dots. I know I'm reinforcing this heavily about about finding the gift God has given you and using it because your eternity depends on it. I don't mean getting in, I mean enjoying it. So in the book of Romans, the first two chapters, first two, uh, chapter 12, the first two verses. I urge you therefore, brethren, everybody recognize this one? Many of us might even have this memorized. Present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. I could get off on 12 sermons right there. That you might prove what the will of God is. Did you catch that? That you might prove, you may experience and embrace what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and perfect. So, let me cut it real short on this. Mind and body available to God. Hello? Mind and body available to God. Start thinking God's way of thinking instead of what you're, whatever it is you're watching or listening or reading. God's way. Mind and body available to God. I want you to not forget something before we move on. Prove what the will of God is. Don't forget that because the next verse kind of throws us off. Next section says this, verses 3 through 5. For through the grace given to me, I say to every man among you, not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think. God's used that verse in my life a lot. Shut up, Hawko. Think you're all that? Remember Dr. Ashley's sermon? You know, I'm really upset about this, and God goes, Really? <laughs> Not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each a measure of faith. So, I had a brother exhort me one time, do not think more highly of yourself than you, than you should, which I said, I already get that. And then he told me, and stop thinking lower of yourself than you should. That your gift doesn't matter that your participation is irrelevant. Don't do that either. And I went, well, fine. It's not in there, but you're right. <laughs> and here's how he goes on. He says, as each has allotted a measure of faith, for just as we have many members in one body and all the members do not have the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. We belong to each other. And everyone is necessary. And we tend to think, well, he's the pastor or he's the preacher, you know. And, and you go to these big, we were part of the Franklin Graham Festival and we went up to Manitoba 
uh, Winnipeg and saw this whole thing happen. And, you know, these guys, these big shots, big names, fill in the blanks. Uh, I, I can't remember any. Rebecca St. James, all those people, they, they get out and do their thing on the platform. It's kind of like the army in World War I. Ten people behind the scenes necessary for that one person to get it off. So if you're part of the ten people and five of you decides it's time to go to Dunkin' Donuts, it falls apart. That's why it matters. And we have had an ethos problem here that it doesn't matter that much. But it does in God's economy. I'm encouraging you to take it seriously for the sake of the next generation and your next pastor. It's his kingdom work. Oh, no, it's just the church? What? What? Okay, I'm done, right? Let's close in prayer. No, I'm not done yet. (laughs) So, we're members of each other, right? A bigger, a part of a bigger whole. We all have a gift that helps contribute to the big picture of growing numerically, spiritually, or organically. Somewhere in there, your gift matters. Let me give you an illustration. You know what I'm talking about. We used to ride, we, we, we still do run up and down where our kids live, up to Binghamton. Yeah, there's a hockey game up there, I heard. Anyway, uh, we're going up the highway, and you get to know where all the good places are to stop to eat and where not to stop to eat. And I'll never forget, there, there is a place along that run that I will literally never set foot in again. I shouldn't say that. I know what happens every time a pastor says something like that. But the reason was, and you get what I'm saying. So there are people who own companies, and they run these businesses. They have these franchises, and they're really good. But if you walk in, and the person behind the counter is difficult or obnoxious or like could I get some service in the next 25 years please you know what kind of a feeling do you have about that whole organization and we say well he's that's only one of the one of the behind the counter that they're nobody oh yeah anybody connecting the dots Okay, so everything that we do, and the scripture is crystal clear. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. Well, how come we don't do that? Why don't I do that? So, all right, let me get to the last verse. Ready? No little peeps. And since we have gifts that differ, this is Romans 12, 6 through 8. Harp back to what we read earlier, and I said, don't forget that you may prove what, what is. There's a connection between your gift and the will of God for your life. Duh. I'm having fun. I'm sorry about the rest of you. But anyway, there's a connection. Does that make sense? Here it is in the same context. You have to work at not seeing this. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, which help us fulfill the will of God for our life. I added that. 
Let each exercise them accordingly. And here's the list. Prophecy according to the proportion of his faith. Service in his serving. He who teaches in his teaching. He who exhorts in his exhortation. He who gives with liberality. He who leads with diligence. He who shows mercy with cheerfulness. Greek word is hilarity. I love giving money with hilarity. And serving with hilarity. Cheerfulness. So here's this list. This is just a partial list of some of the gifts that we have. And it's an indicator of what God had in mind for you if he gave you that gift. Right? If I've been whining as a kid for a certain thing and my parents give it to me, they obviously want me to use it, to enjoy it. So here's these giftings. We mentioned prophecy last week, so if you have your notes, you can do this, and I will take maybe a question or two. And if we run out of time, we'll go... Well, I already ran out of time. But uh, we will go uh, next week and unpack more questions. And by the way, you're always free to send me questions at hawkman2 at aol.com, and don't laugh. <laughs> prophecy. You know, prophecy is a combination gift, as I've already mentioned. People... Can foretell sometimes, foretell the truth, foretell. Agabus in the book of Acts stood up one day in the congregation said, there's a great famine coming, you get, better get ready, and it happened. Okay, He wasn't one of the apostles, he wasn't that famous, he was a gifted prophet. And we talked about that last week. Service, I already mentioned, the gift of helps and support, which I love seeing in process. And I had two illustrations today. I've mentioned before, like our tech team and all, and how Ryan took that seriously for me and helped me to, uh, to communicate with all my limitations better. That is a helping gift. And one, one uh, week, a, a family that became part of our church... Um, they brought their children in, and I won't mention any names, Don Nada, but he took their kids and ushered them all the way down to the children's ministry. In other words, didn't say, you know, go figure it out, go find your way. Those little things, utilizing my inclination to be a helper, builds the body of Christ. Does that make sense? So if I have a serving gift, serve. If I have a teaching gift, I was amazed when I, I, I and I'll, I'll mention this because those of you in the women's circles know Linda Horowitz, she's got a gift of teaching. And uh, she never heard that before. I'm put, I'm, she's going to yell at me now. But anyway, you know, she never heard that. I said, really? It's kind of self-evident from what I see. There's something to be developed. We have a gift and God wants us to develop it and learn more about it and utilize it. Exhortation is the same word for the Holy Spirit who is our paraclete, the one who comes alongside of us. It's kind of like the lawyer that goes to court with you to stand for you. And that's the word for exhortation. Remember Barnabas, the son of encouragement, he came, put his arm around John Mark, said, okay, it's all right that Paul doesn't like you this week. It's all right. And he built him up. And so the gift of exhortation comforts, implores, urges, exhorts, sometimes does this. Those of you who remember Elder Corey McGrail, if you've interacted with him at all, he bleeds exhortation. He's got a gift of life speaking. You know, we've got a difficult thing to talk about, and somehow he makes it so positive. I'm like, how come I couldn't do that? I thought it was a problem. <laughs> it's his gift. 
giving, contributing resources. Everyone in the room says, boy, I'm glad I don't have that gift. We watch others with the gift because we learn how to give. We're all called to give, right? But some people are gifted to give. And don't make the mistake of thinking that's wealthy people because I've seen the opposite in my purview. It's a gift that's prompted by the Spirit even for those who don't have much at all. And out of the abundance of that gifting, they somehow give generously to things that are genuine needs. It's amazing to watch. It's amazing to watch. Don't know how they do it. Anyway, leading is the word proistomy, which is to stand before, to be concerned, to attend to leadership. And I believe that leading and the word governments in in other gift lists is the same gifting. Government, gubernesis, that's the Greek word. It's the same word from which we get a governor. And so those people have an inclination and an awareness that we're wasting energy over here. We need to take these folks and plug them in here because it'll accomplish something better. Or got the wrong person in the teaching role. This is the teacher. You're the this thing. And they can help coach us in that direction. Mercy, taking pity, acts of kindness, Uplifting people even wholeheartedly with hilarity. I already told you I'm married to one of those. And uh, boy, they're great people to have around you. They really are. Picking up on people who are hurting, have that tender touch, concern. You know, my wife's the one. I'm going to brag on her for a second. Since I'm over time, I'm in trouble with her anyway. I might as well brag on her and try to soften her up a little for the ride home, you know. Uh, Get it over with, she says. She's the kind of person that when you have, you have a fellowship meal, you know, fellow churches, they have, come on, you're a Baptist church. How can you not know about fellowship meals? She'll see somebody sitting by themselves like, this is no good. This is no good. Who's going on? Let's go, let's go over. Let's get somebody. Up. Come on. Let's go over here. Let's love on these people. It's just, it's her gifting. I have to sedate her all the time. Anyway. <laughs> So let me just ask you this. Think of where you can possibly jump in. Think of what you dread having to do, but think of what might jazz you to do. And say, Holy Spirit, show me where I can go. We'll look at the tough stuff next week. Okay? The scary verses about giftings. <laughs> Can't wait. But let me, let me end with this. This, this kind of reveals, there's, there's the picture of the gift. What's yours? Have you opened it? Do you know what's in there? Do you know what's in there? Ask God. Do you think he's the living God or not? Is he a living God or not? Yes. He is. He just might answer you. And it makes us find the will of God for our lives and bear fruit in building his kingdom. I have a dear friend named Dan Little. He's a pastor up north. I've mentioned him before. Whenever our worship team prays sometimes, we just quote him, Lord, help us. Lord, help us. He loved to say that. Sound a little southern, you know. Help us. One day, he looked out in our congreg- his congregation at a gentleman who ended up in our congregation who did the same exact thing, sat for years and years taking, and one day, Dan just went up to him and said, could I ask you, when will you do something? And he left the church in a huff because, of course, he was very spiritual and didn't need to be spoken to that way. 
Really? And he did the same thing in my church. I don't think that's the will of God for his saints. Why would he have given us a gift? Right? So, Lord, help us. Let's pray. In Jesus' name, dismiss us with the blessing of your spirit, wooing us, encouraging us, giving us the ability to unwrap that present if we don't already know it. And some of us do. And those of us who do, build their faith in using it. And those who haven't found it yet, get them moving so that they can enjoy the journey of discovering the will of God for us specifically. In Jesus' name we pray for help. Amen.